Greetings, everyone. Merry Christmas. It's so good to be back with you guys today. As Damaris was talking about, Christmas is very close. Has everybody gotten their shopping done? And y'all are bitter about it, too. Like, no. (laughs) I was informed at the last service that today is the last day you can order on Amazon and have it come in time. So just if you take nothing else from my talk today, (laughs) just know that that's something that you can take. Now, have you guys been good boys and girls this year? No. No. (laughs) Same same people are like, no. But but isn't that how we talk about Christmas? If you're good, you get gifts. If you're bad, you get a lump of coal, right? It's even in our songs. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's gonna find out who's naughty or nice. That's what Christmas is, right? Naughty or nice, but that's not how a gift works. A gift is supposed to be something that is given with no expectation of repayment. A gift is something given with nothing you want back. But this is talking about like you gotta earn it. Even with your good behavior, you're earning it. That doesn't make it a gift. A gift isn't something that you need to pay back. But I think we suspect that even though the phrase is, it's better to give than receive, I think we think we have to give to receive. I think we've been taught that you have to earn it. We've been taught that nothing comes for free. Everything is gonna cost us something. Everything has strings attached. All the things we want are something expected in return. And so I wanna talk to you today, if you feel like that, I wanna talk to people whose manager covered for you when you had a sick kid, but you're afraid they're gonna hold it against you later. I wanna talk to the people whose friends have some dirt on you and you love your friends, but you're afraid they're gonna betray you because of that. I wanna talk to the people who feel like you had to perform to earn your parents' love. You grew up and you had to be good to be loved. I wanna talk to the people who are afraid in their marriage because they're afraid if they don't make their spouse happy, if they don't perform, if they don't do the right thing, they might leave them. I wanna talk to people who grew up in a religious system where you were taught if you're good enough and you do enough good things, you go to the good place, heaven. But if you're not good enough, you go to the bad place, hell. So how good is good enough? Is God really like Santa making a list, checking it twice? What if I told you we don't have to live like all gifts require repayment, that all gifts don't come with strings attached and expectations? What if I told you this doesn't have to be a Santa Claus world? Would you believe There was a king that came that flipped our you gotta earn it mentality upside down. That's what we've been talking about in this series, Jesus is king. We're talking about Jesus, the king who came and turned everything upside down. He's a king who changes everything. And he's a king for people who are social outcasts. He's a king for people who have infamous pasts or uneventful past. He's a king for people who feel close to God or people who feel far from God and everything in between. 
Jesus is king for everybody. That's what this series is about. It's a kingdom for all people. And so we're gonna continue looking at Christmas stories because Christmas stories illustrate this kind of kingdom perfectly. And we're gonna look at one where some unexpected visitors showed up to talk to Jesus, to meet him. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. All right, if you're familiar with the Christmas story, I'm gonna mess with you today. I'm gonna shake everything up. I'm gonna let you know how the story really, really went down. Are you guys ready for that? Okay, no, that's a great answer because some people are like, no, I don't wanna learn anything today. I'm holding on to my idea of Christmas. Don't ruin everything for me. Okay, I wanna start with this. By the time the Magi got there and arrived, Jesus wasn't a baby. I know that I just messed up your nativity set, and I'm very sorry, but Jesus was probably two or three years old by the time the Magi had arrived. I mean, imagine if they'd kept him in that stinky barn with the animals in a manger all that time. They'd be calling like Roman CPS, right? They, they moved on to a house. Now, even though he's two or three, he's still cute. I like to think of him kind of like Baby Yoda, right? And like walking around, doing, doing magical stuff. People don't really understand it. All right. Okay, I'm gonna continue to mess things up for you. How many magi were there? How many kings showed up? Three. Wrong. There weren't three. Actually, there were a whole entourage. They had like a posse of magi that rolled up to meet Jesus. Now, I, now I've ruined a Christmas song for you. Sorry about that. But I think we think there's three people because they brought three gifts. And that's how we're wired. We think, well, three people, three gifts. They have to bring a gift, right? Every person has to bring a gift. That's what we're thinking. Okay, sorry about that. And they came to worship, but I don't think they came to worship in a way that we think about it. It's not like we just sang joy to the world. I don't think they're thinking about worshiping a deity or a god. Instead, this word worship is closer to what you would do if you met a king or a queen or royalty. And so when they're thinking of worship, they're thinking of it in a very non-spiritual way, in a way where you're bowing before the king. It's a way that you're showing respect and reverence. In fact, the word in Greek, what this word worship means is to kiss in front, right? To kiss forward, like that. Like you're bowing in reverence. And so that's what these guys were going to do. They weren't singing joy to the world. I think they were thinking they were gonna secure an alliance with a new and powerful king. They went, and that's important, but that's what they were doing. This is more of a business deal than it is anything else. Okay, who are the Magi? They're probably not kings. They're religious leaders who come from modern day Iran, and they were astrologers. Right, that's, they kind of worship the stars and the planet. That was their religion. And so these are foreign guys from a foreign country. And it's important to note that at this time, astrology would have been illegal for the Jewish people. It would have been forbidden completely. And here are foreigners from a foreign land with a foreign religion coming to Israel, coming to meet Jesus. Now, I, I really want you to get this because this is, this is important. This would be like a Buddhist priest showing up to meet Jesus. 
This would be like an atheist college professor showing up to meet Jesus. This is like a Muslim cleric and imam coming to meet Jesus. These guys were a completely different religion and that's really important. So what astrology is, is they studied the position of stars and planets because they believe it dictated life. They believe it could tell you everything you needed to know about your life. They watched the stars. So isn't it interesting that God used a star to guide them to Jesus? See, God met them where they were in a way that they could understand. He crossed religious lines, he crossed cultural lines, he crossed ethnic lines, he even participated in a taboo, a forbidden form of worship to guide these people to Jesus, to guide the Magi. And what did they do? They did what they knew how. I don't think they understood everything about Jesus, I don't think they understood this was the king, but they came and they worshiped because they believed this king was greater than they were. And I wanna tell you, I think God still does that today. God speaks to people where they are right now in a way that they can understand, a way that they can interpret, and that's how God might be speaking to you. He speaks to all of us and he'll use something that's currently in your life, even if it's another belief system, even if you're here and you're an atheist or you practice Islam, God might speak to you through that just like he did the Magi because he still does that. That's what God does. So how will you respond? Well, there are a number of responses in this Christmas story, and one of them didn't respond like the Magi. It was King Herod. He was the ruler over Israel at the time, and it says that he was disturbed over this news. He was disturbed over this news because if there is a new king, a rightful king, that king might overthrow him. And he might just not overthrow him, he'd be afraid that he'd be murdered. Why would Herod be afraid like that? Because that's who Herod was. Herod was a brutal and bloodthirsty king who was known to eliminate his political rivals in terrible fashion. He even eliminated members of his own family and his sons because he was afraid they were gonna take his throne. That's who Herod was, he's so paranoid. And so he thinks this new king is gonna come and take that this new king is gonna come and he's gonna have to give everything up. So let's look at how Herod reacts. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. All right, when we read this story, we don't really identify with Herod. He seems like a really bad guy, and he is. And I understand why we don't identify with him, because we don't wanna be the bad guy in the story, but Herod illustrates something important. He responded in fear, because he was afraid of what the new king might bring, a king that may be more powerful than he was. These guys had already shown up to worship a baby? This is a serious deal. And so even though we're not bloodthirsty maniacs like Herod was, we can identify a little bit because it's hard when we think something is gonna take away our power or our control. It's hard when we think someone's gonna be the king of our life and replace us on the throne. Come on, y'all, I know that's not just me that's feeling that, right? 
We wanna have control over our lives. We're not bad people. We just wanna be able to make our choices our own way. We have plans that we wanna see work out. We wanna make our own decisions and we get real uncomfortable if somebody lords their power over us. We don't wanna give any of that control to someone or something more powerful. We're all wired like that. Humans are kinda wired like that. It's part of our nature. And it's not great, but it's true. So when I read this story, I see Herod and I go, I get it. I understand why you're afraid. Because if you acknowledge the real king, you have to respond. And I think there's some conflict within us about how we might respond when somebody says, I'm the king, and we don't get to be king of our own lives. This is how Herod and the Magi continue to respond in this story. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, I want to get really clear about Herod's words here. It was deception based on fear, right? And so he's reading these words, and he's like, mm, yes, yes, I'm sending you. Go find the child and report to me mm, so I can go and worship him. <laughs> 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 This wasn't Herod's intent. These words are deceptive. He wasn't gonna go and worship. He was gonna go and eliminate this threat. That's what Herod was doing. So don't get confused by his words because he's a bad dude that wanted to take this little king out. But what do the Magi do? They continue to follow the star. Did you notice something unusual about these verses? I read them hundreds of times and towards the end of reading them, I actually noticed something that was kind of crazy. It was about the star. It says... It stopped over the place where the child was. A star stopped. Stars don't stop. That's not how stars work. And how in the world would a star guide these people to a specific house in a specific place? Well, I've been doing a lot of research about this. I've been reading philosophers, I've been reading historians, I've been reading scientists, I've been reading theologians, and they all can agree on one thing about what happened. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody knows. The smartest people in the world, they don't know. They don't know if this was a meteor storm or a comet or a shooting star. They don't know if there was an astronomical explanation, like a historic and scientific event that actually took place at this time. Some people think it's a supernatural sign, like a glowing orb or a pillar of fire that was moving across the sky. It almost doesn't matter what it was, because here's the important part. The Magi watched the stars, and God used something. He gave them a sign that they would recognize and know it was special, and know it was unique, and use it to guide them to Jesus from where they were. That's the important part of the story. We might never know what the star is, but whatever it was, it stopped at Jesus the King, and the Magi greet him. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed and worshiped him. Then they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Magi arrived, and they were overjoyed. 
That word in the Greek doesn't mean like overjoyed like we might think of it. It's exceedingly great joy. So not joy, not great joy, exceedingly great joy, maximum joy. And I think they were experiencing this kind of joy because not only did they get to where they were going, they found something even greater than they expected to find. Their destination was not a place. Their destination was a person. Their destination was Jesus. And what did they do? They worshiped. They bowed. They worshiped the way they knew how. They kissed forward. They worshiped the new king. That's how they responded with what they knew. And I believe they believed in Jesus. They believed that this king was different than all the other kings who had come before and all the other kings who would come after that. Something else I want you to notice about the story, they didn't have to jump through any religious hoops to get to Jesus. They didn't have to denounce their religion. They didn't have to take communion. They didn't have to pray for forgiveness for all of their sins, practicing another religion. No, 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 they showed up and they saw Jesus and they believed. That's important. But they didn't go empty handed. They had gifts. Gifts that were fit for royalty. And how many gifts did they have? Three. They actually had three gifts. I'm not gonna ruin that part for you. I will say though, it probably wasn't in like a little chest box like your grandma has like out with like little bits of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. He gave them gold, frankincense, and myrrh and hundreds of bars of gold, hundreds of pounds of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's part of how we know this is an entourage. It would have been big treasure chests that they would have been carrying all the way in this journey. So they give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and there's a lot I could talk about when it comes to those gifts. That would be so much fun, but here's the important part. They were valuable gifts fit for a king. These are the kind of gifts that royalty would require or demand upon their birth. See, kings say, you owe me. Bring it to me to worship me. You owe me. And the Magi were wealthy men, and so they brought the best of what they had, but they brought it for an alliance with the king. Because again, that's how kings work. You bring them your best, and they say, okay, you're not my enemy, right? We have a truce. We give them what we have, and they say, okay, you gotta earn it. You gotta give more, you gotta give more. Kings take, that's what they do. And so these people, these magi, they brought gifts expecting what royalty would expect, and they expected favor, that's what they want. They wanted the king's favor, but they had to pay for it. They had to earn it. Here's what I want you to see, though. Sometimes we react to Jesus like the Magi reacted to him, right? We think, what is it gonna take to earn this? What is it gonna take to earn your love? How do I have to perform? How good do I have to be to make this happen? How can I be in your good graces, Jesus? How can I earn your favor so I'm not an enemy? That's how we react to Jesus sometimes, and here's what I want you to know. Jesus is a different kind of king. He didn't come to take. He came to give. Let me tell you about who Jesus became. He grew up, he wasn't a toddler forever. He grew up and became a man and he lived a sinless life where he invited everybody into his kingdom. Everybody, no matter who you were. But the religious leaders like Herod, they still hated him. 
They were still afraid of what he might bring, so they condemned him to death as a criminal, even though he was innocent and he was crucified on the cross. But what they didn't realize is that he was crucified on the cross as a criminal, but he was crucified in reality, in the spiritual sense, for our sins. And he paid for them all so that we don't have to be separated from God anymore. There's no religious rituals, there's no hoops to jump through. We don't have to be separated from God because the price Jesus paid on that cross. But the news gets better. Three days later, Jesus was resurrected from the dead to show that only he, he and only he had power over life and death. And you know what he does with that power? He gives us the gift of eternal life when we believe. An eternity in heaven with a God who loves us more than we could possibly understand. And Jesus offers that gift to us, all of us. See, his kingdom isn't based on what we bring him. His kingdom is based on the gift he gave us. And it's a gift for all people, the gift of eternal life. This is what it says. All we have to do is receive it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Through Jesus, we receive this gift of eternal life and it's the ultimate gift. He's been leading us to him in ways that we could understand. He's been speaking to us. He's been calling us from where we are. And like the Magi, sometimes he calls us before we have our life together. He calls us to him before we figure out our drug addiction. He calls us to him before we stop drinking so much or stop looking at porn so much. He calls us before we stop cheating on our spouse. He calls us before we understand everything about the Bible. He calls us before we get our acts together. That's the kind of king Jesus is because Jesus didn't come for good people who do the right things. Jesus isn't a spiritual Santa Claus that comes for all the good people on the good list and that's all. No, 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 Jesus came for the people on the naughty list and the people who weren't on the list at all. Jesus came so that all people could receive this gift of eternal life. That's his vision for his kingdom. All people, all you have to do is receive this gift. His kingdom is different. And because Jesus is different, we try to make this church different. I want you to know that no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, you are welcome here now. And we're committed to that because just like the Magi, you might be here for some crazy reason. I don't know, but this is a safe place of grace where you can explore Jesus and understand what faith looks like and you don't have to have it all together because guess what? I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. People are messy. That's how life works. And Jesus calls you before you figured it all out to believe in him. It is a kingdom for all and it is a kingdom based completely on his gift to us. If you haven't received that gift, this is what I want you to do today. I wanna ask you to believe in Jesus the king. You might be here for some random reason and you don't believe. You might be like the Magi where something or someone guided you here. Maybe your grandma, maybe a spouse, maybe a loved one. Maybe you're just here because you don't like the noon football games. Maybe you're here because you wanna get away from your family. Maybe you're here because the next batch of tamales aren't done yet and you're just kinda hungry so you showed up somewhere. 
I don't care why you're here, but I want you to know that no matter where you are in your journey, you can believe today because I don't think it's an accident you're here with us. I don't know why, but I don't think it's an accident. And I want you to see this Christmas story through different eyes. I want you to see Jesus through different eyes because so often you've been taught you have to earn it. You have to be good enough. And I'm here to tell you his kingdom is built on receiving it, not on how good you are. And you can believe today. It doesn't require a lot of religious hoops to jump through or a bunch of things. You can believe today because you just, you believe in your heart, you pray a simple prayer, and we'll have a chance to do that a little bit later. But you're just believing that Jesus is who he said he was. And it's between you and Jesus, but that's what faith is. Now for my spiritual investigators, I assume there are spiritual investigators here everywhere on their journey. And you might not be ready to believe, and that's okay. But here's what I wanna ask you to do. Look for the signs. You're here for a reason, and it could be a dream, it could be a vision, it could be unusual circumstances that have been guiding you to Jesus in your life, and you might not be able to explain it. So I wanna ask you, follow the signs. He spoke to the Magi through the stars because they worshiped the stars. He might be speaking to you in whatever you might understand, whether it's internet memes or pop culture, right? Whether it's atheism, whether it's Islam, whether it's agnosticism, where you don't believe in anything, whatever you believe, he's speaking to you and he's calling you. And I'm asking you, if you're not ready to believe, that's okay, but follow the star. Follow the sign, because he's calling you in a way that you can understand where you are right now. You don't have to figure it all out first. Don't explain it away, follow the signs. If you already believe in Jesus, I wanna ask you to thrive. I wanna help you thrive because City Church exists so that all people can believe and thrive in Jesus. It doesn't just stop with believing. Sometimes, even though we already believe, we still respond with fear. We still respond with fear instead of faith because of what's happening. And you know, one of the biggest reasons I see people respond with fear in their life and they don't thrive is because they're afraid. They're afraid of losing their eternal life. And I wanna tell you, Jesus is not Santa Claus or your parents. Jesus is not going to take back the gift that he gave you. Jesus is a good king. He doesn't take, he gives. You cannot lose your salvation. When you believe, you believe, and nothing can change that. I find people all the time running around worried that if they got hit by the bus at the wrong time, they'd be going to hell. And I wanna tell you, if you believe, you believe, because what kind of king would Jesus be if he condemned you for a mistake after you believed? He would not be a good king, and that is not who Jesus is. You don't have to respond with fear. You can respond with faith. And it's hard to do, I know, I live it. It's hard to respond with faith instead of fear, because sometimes we're afraid, that Jesus is gonna take our, our fun away. If I follow Jesus, if I look for this life, then I'm gonna be one of those boring Christians who hates everything and judges everybody. Right? Some of us are worried that Jesus is gonna take our freedom 
But once I start following Jesus, he's gonna tell me everything that I have to do and I have to follow the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus isn't here for that. That's not what you're signing up for. He didn't come so he could take your fun, he came so he can give you peace. He didn't come to take your freedom, he came to give you freedom. Because what you have now is liberty, you don't have freedom. You have choices, you can make your own choices, but you are not free from the past. That's what Jesus is here to do and he wants to give you joy, peace, all of those things. This is what he said, he said, I came so that you may have life and have it to the full. Other translations say an abundant life. That's thriving. Faith isn't just about eternal life, which that is absolutely what faith is. Faith is also about a better life now. And when you choose faith instead of fear, you can thrive in this life. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you so much, God. I pray for everybody here. God, I pray for those of us who already believe, God, and we're fighting our battles of fear. We're fighting our battle of fear versus faith. God, let us remember that you are a king who comes to give. A king who will not take anything from us if we follow, but rather a king who will give us a better life here and now, not just our eternal life, God. In the midst of the holidays, when it's, when it's Christmas time and it's New Year's and it's so easy it's so easy for us to choose fear or anxiety or anger or whatever we might go to because people are getting on our nerves or we're worried about how things are gonna work out. Let us choose faith and let us trust that you are the king that gives. God, I pray for those who are spiritual investigators, God. Thank you for bringing folks here who don't yet believe. And you're welcome here. God, I pray that as you, spiritual investigators, begin to look at your life, God. I pray that you continue calling them from where they are in a way that they will understand. God, give them the courage to follow the signs. Give them the courage to follow wherever you're leading them, God. Give them the courage to, to maybe not even seek you, but just follow what you're doing in their lives, like the Magi, follow the star. And for those of us who have yet to believe yet, I want you to know this is a safe place. We've been praying for you already and we will continue to pray for you, but this is what you can do. Believing in Jesus is about the faith that you have. It's about believing that Jesus was who he said he was, that he died, that he rose again, and that he wants to give you eternal life. That's what you're believing in. There are no magic words. There's no ritual that you have to go through. It's just a genuine prayer, a genuine prayer right here, right now. You can pray it here in this room. You can pray it at home, online, or in the video cafe. You can pray it somewhere else in your car. You can pray it at your job. Whenever you pray this prayer, you have eternal life. And when you have eternal life, you will spend eternity in heaven with a God who loves you more than you can imagine. And that eternal life will never be taken away from you. It can never be taken away. When you pray this prayer, it is forever. God, I pray that you allow folks to pray that prayer today from wherever you are. In your name, amen. Hey, thank you guys. I love this series. I love what God's doing. This is a safe community of grace, and we try to keep it that way. Our Christmas Eve services are coming up, 3, 5, 7, and 11. They are different than this service. 
So find friends to bring, and it is going to be awesome. Our prayer team is gonna be down front right here. Please don't leave without being prayed for. And if you call City Church your home, that means all the guests can put your hands over your ears and say, la, 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 la. If you call City Church your home, we try to make it as easy as possible for you to be generous. You can give in the lobby in a variety of ways or give online. All right, love you guys. I'll see you next week.